Welcome to episode 157 of the Fitness Simplified Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Schlag. On today's episode, I am sharing with you questions that my newest Fitter After 40 members typically have. So I've launched Fitter After 40 four times now, four different cohorts, and I noticed that we have similar questions in week one and week two of the course each time. And I'm thinking you might be wondering the same things. So let's answer those questions. Let's go. Hello, my friend. Always excited to be recording a podcast episode for you. I feel like we're just sitting around having a nice little chat when we do. Uh, and I have not been as consistent with getting back to the podcast after my uh, trip as I had planned on being, but I promise I'm just about there, going to get back to those weekly downloads here in just a minute. So really great episode for you today. Before I jump into the meat of the episode, I wanted to chat about my new birthday challenge I set for myself. There was so much interest uh, in that when I shared about it on Instagram last week on my birthday. Uh, people who are interested in doing a version of it for themselves that I thought I would talk about it here as well in case you missed that or just wanted to hear more about it. So I turned 52 last Friday, last Friday, I turned 52 and I decided that this year I'm going to do 52 new things, 52 in 52. And the reason why is I just don't want to, I don't want to be stagnant in my life. I don't want my brain to get stagnant. I don't want to be too much in a rut or a routine. I feel like um, I am a person who does really like structure and routine, but I need that new that new freshness, especially like as I age, I don't want to be a person who's just so really set in her ways. And like, you know, here are the things I do and here are the things I don't do. Here are the things I am and here are the things that I am not. And so I want to challenge myself to try new things. And so that's what I'm going to do. Now, I'm not going to have it highly structured as in I'm going to do one new thing each week. That would be great, but I feel like that would be too, um, that would be stressful for me. And I'm not looking to add in stress. I'm looking to add in excitement and freshness and newness. So I, I, I told my family about this idea the other day, and it was actually a really great dinner conversation. At my birthday dinner, we went to this lovely restaurant in our town. We have the cutest town that's really revitalized its downtown area, and uh, went to this restaurant where you can sit outside on the patio and there's twinkle lights and a fountain. And we were sitting out there, beautiful weather and talking about this challenge that I have set for myself. And I said, okay, guys, like, what do you think? Give me some ideas. And I really, there was just so much belly laughing because my children are insane. They came up with the craziest, craziest ideas. And I was just like, I want to do new things. I don't want to do weird, dangerous things. <laughs> things. Here are some of my favorites. They came, I had a long list. They, they were just out of, out, out of the scope of normal, uh, thought, uh, one that my daughter was, had suggested was that I spend 24 hours crawling on all fours. <laughs> I'm just not interested. I see no benefit. I see no benefit in crawling on all fours for 24 hours. And then my son came up with this gem bare knuckle boxing bare knuckle boxing. Okay. That just sounds terribly painful. No hard pass on the bare knuckle boxing. And then this one, I believe this was also my son. 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> he suggested, and they were all, all three of them. My husband, my one son wasn't with us. He's ac across the country, but my son and my daughter who were present and my husband all thought this was just a, a great idea that they would drive me blindfolded to another state. Now here on the East coast, it's pretty easy to get to another state. Uh, they would drive me blindfolded to another state, drop me off, take off the blindfold, leave me without any money. <laughs> and uh, I had to find my way home. <laughs> uh, I had many a person message on Instagram and said, uh, after reading these ideas, I, I feel like what you need to do this year that's new is get a new family. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that either. Um, so I put the word out on Instagram. I'm like, you all must have better ideas uh, than the knuckleheads in my family. <laughs> what do you have for me? And wow, you came through. I have so many good ideas and I'm not going to uh, go through them all here, but I'm going to tell you a couple that really have piqued my interest. And they're kind of surprising to me because they're not, some of them, I'm just like, never would have thought of that. So many of you said pickleball. What is it with people in our generation and pickleball? I have all of these people who are like my age that I see online talking about their pickleball tournaments. <laughs> and so I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to play some pickleball. I don't even know with whom or where I can go to do that, but that's going to be on my agenda for this year is, and I'm not saying I'm going to like practice playing pickleball a lot or join a pickleball league, but I'm at least going to have one afternoon or evening of playing pickleball. Let's see what I think. I do have terrible hand-eye coordination, but maybe that's just limiting beliefs I have about myself. Okay, the next one I'm really, really excited about, and that is snowshoeing. Why have I romanticized this idea in my brain? I don't know, but I'm going to finally actually pull the trigger. I'm going to find a place to go snowshoeing uh, this year. I might have to travel a little bit to do that. I don't know. I'm going to figure out how I'm doing snowshoeing. Okay, this one I loved, sailing. There is a lake near my house. It's not that big, but I used to take my kids up there all the time. And um, I think it's a state park, actually. And one of the things I remember seeing when I was there is that they do sailing lessons just on this small lake. And I'm thinking, that's perfect. I'm going to look into taking a sailing lesson. I'm very excited about that. Okay, and then I'm doing some smaller ones too. They're not going to all be big outings. Uh, somebody suggested meatless Mondays. I am working on having a more plant-forward diet. So I'm going to try a month of meatless Mondays. Excited about that one. And then this one, it sounds challenging, but in a fun way, which is learning to make sushi. I'm going to make sushi. Definitely, there must be like an online course about that, right? There's an online course about everything. So I'm going to do that. Uh, the last one I'm going to share with you, this one really, it gave me a giggle. Uh, someone suggested I try going brunette. And um, I don't know how to say this because I thought everyone knew. I'm not actually a blonde. <laughs> I'm not a blonde. I guess I've been a blonde the entire time that I've been kind of in like a public facing position on Instagram, on the podcast, on YouTube, TikTok. I've been a blonde. But more of my life than not, I have not been a blonde. I'm a brunette. Actually, I got my very first gray hair when I was 19. I remember it. I was living in Florida at the time. I was working at Walt Disney World on their college program. And I found a gray hair and I was 19. And I pulled it out. And then every so often I'd pull out another one. And my dad, who was balding, got very frustrated with me when I explained to him that I'd been pulling out, <laughs> I'd been pulling out my gray hair. He's like, stop doing that. You're not going to be happy doing that. My gray hair um, was coming in enough that by my early twenties, I started coloring my roots. I was getting gray hair in my early twenties enough to color my roots. So that's when I started coloring my roots. And um, eventually some to, at some point, 
I don't know when I made the transition to blonde. I feel like it was, um, yeah, it was in my forties. It was in my forties. Actually, I think it was around the same time I got fit. I guess I got fit and I got blonde all at the same time. I don't know if there was any kind of connection there. So yeah, I can't try brunette as a new thing because um, been there, done that for a good 40 years. Well, so lots of people want to do their own challenge. So if you want to do it, here's what you do. You pick a number, you can pick your age, you can pick um, what you're going to be your next birthday, and you look for things that you want to do over the course of that year and make a list. And then you just start checking them off and you can allow for surprise ones too to come up. I had a surprise one the other day. I had an animal card reading live on the decades of strength. Uh, never did that before. And it's actually been a really kind of impactful thing for me, gave me some insight into my own life. And that's not something I would have ever sought out. So yeah, if you want to do it, do it. And I would love to hear from those of you who do what your experience is like, what you're learning, what it adds to your life. I'm very excited about my own challenge. All right, let's dig into the meat of our subject here today. And that is this. I want to talk to you about common questions that my newer Fitter After 40 members have. I've had four cohorts of students go through Fitter After 40 at this point. The current cohort here in fall 2022, we are on week five of the course. It's an eight-week course. Uh, I'll kind of catch you up to speed with where I'm at with this group. So they're on week one, we set up their nutrition plan. They watch a module that gives them a deep dive into practical nutrition strategies. What do you need to know to be fit, be healthy, lose weight? What do you need to know about nutrition? And then how do you set up your plan? And then I help them and we set up their nutrition plan together. Week two, they learn all about exercise in midlife and they receive their six-week training plan and they create their daily movement goals. So we fold in exercise week two. On week three, they learned about two habits that will not only help them lose weight, but be a huge key in helping them keep that weight off permanently. Week four, they learn about managing hurdles to achieving their fitness goals. That's such an important one. And then week five, which is the week we're on, they're learning about the connection between sleep and weight loss. What is the connection? How do they manage times when they're not sleeping well? How do they get better sleep? Um, how do you manage still losing weight at times when you're not getting sleep? That's where we're at. And then we'll have three more weeks together. Now, each week of the course, we have a live group Zoom call where I can coach the ladies through various struggles, hurdles, mental blocks, those kinds of things. Those are intended to be back and forth conversations it's not just a Q&A. It's not like they ask me a question, I give them an answer. We definitely do a lot of that in the group. And some of the questions on that, on that call are more of like they ask a question, I give them like a fact-based answer. But most of those weekly calls, I help them come to the best conclusion for them in their life. Because it's not everything just has a straightforward answer. Like, how does this work? Do that, right? We have to work with them and their life. We have to work with you and your life. What do you need? What is your situation? What are your beliefs? Um, what are the thought patterns you're having? Now, I wish we could do that here on the podcast today, but we can't because, well, you're not here. <laughs> you're not here for us to have a back and forth. But I have noticed some common themes in the first call or two each session of what is top of mind for them. And so I'm going to answer, um, I kind of gathered and pulled from all four of the sessions that I've done about what were the questions they asked in the first week or two. And I pulled six questions and I want to discuss the question with you and 
as we go, I'm going to tell you the kinds of questions I might ask them, my students, so that they could think further about that question. So I don't just give them the answer. I ask them some questions. So I'm going to give you some of those questions to think through. And then I am going to give you some practical solutions as well, since you're not here for me to just chat through it with. Ready? All right, let's hit the questions. Question number one, is it okay to be below my calorie goal? So as I said, we help them set up their nutrition plan. A piece of that nutrition plan is a calorie goal. If you have a calorie goal, you might also wonder, is it okay to be below that calorie goal? What I would ask you is tell me more. How far below your calorie goal are you? How often are you below your calorie goal? Why are you below your calorie goal? And then the approach we would take would really depend on those answers. If it's an occasional thing, does not matter. If you're, you know, 10 calories below, doesn't matter. Why are you so far below? If you are far below, if it's frequent and if it's substantial, if you're 50, 100, 200 more calories below and it's often, the question I would ask is why? And so often the answer lies in fear. They're fearful that their calories are set too high. They're fearful they can't lose weight on these calories. So many other diet plans they've tried, give them the number, you know the number, it's 1200. Everybody gets the calorie goal 1200. And so when they see the numbers that they come up with using my program, and it's more than that for literally everybody, they have this voice inside saying, it's too much, it's too much, it's too much. And so even though they agree, okay, I'm, my calories are 1600, they're 1550, whatever they are, they're 1900, who knows, depends on the person. That there's this little voice in their head that's saying, you should eat less than that you're going to need to eat less than that. And so they do. And they might outwardly start saying, well, I'm just not that hungry. I didn't need that much food. But in reality, the, the, the issue is they're fearful. My goal is always to have you lose weight on as many calories as possible while still making good progress. The goal is not to see how low can we take you. We want this to be as sustainable as possible and impactful as possible. So that's what I'm looking for. What is the most calories you can eat while still losing weight at a good rate? That half a pound to two pound per week mark, that's what we're looking for. Okay, so if you're like, wait, that's me, I totally do that. I undereat the calories that I, I, that I think are right for me because I'm a little bit afraid of eating more. Well, consider this. If you've done this before, has it worked for you? Has 1200 calories worked in a way that it was sustainable? Has it worked in a way that's allowed you to set your life up so that it's enjoyable? Has it worked in a way um, that has uh, allowed you to learn enough about how to eat in a deficit that you've then transitioned that to maintenance? If the answer is no, how about trying something different? How about trying two months? at the higher calories with a good amount of consistency. We're talking 80% consistency or above and see what happens. See what happens. Okay, so that's question number one. Question number two, should I go over in my calories in order to hit my protein goal? So protein goal is the second piece of the puzzle that we set up for their nutrition plan and fitter after 40. We help them set a calorie goal and we help them set a personalized protein goal. And so the question comes up, 
if I want to hit that protein goal and to do so, I need to go over my calories. Should I do it? So the first question I would always ask a person is, what is your goal? And if your answer to that is my goal is fat loss, then my answer to should I go over my calories to hit my protein goal is always going to be no. You should always prioritize hitting your calories first. That is going to be the driver of fat loss is being in your calorie deficit. The protein helps for multiple things, but the priority has to be being in the calorie deficit if the goal is fat loss. Okay, and then the second question I would ask this person is, why are you needing to go over your calories to hit your protein? Tell me more about your day. Tell me about what are you eating for breakfast? Are you eating breakfast? If you're eating two eggs for breakfast, ladies, that's not a high protein breakfast. So there's a good chance if that's the issue, if you're not eating breakfast or you're having a breakfast that's got, you know, uh, 12 grams of protein, six grams of protein, uh, 11 grams of protein, something like that, it's not enough protein there. So let's top load that day with protein. Are you trying to use things as main protein sources that just are not protein sources? Good example of that would be nuts and nut butters. Those have been touted as protein sources and they do indeed have some protein, but the majority of their calories actually comes from fat, from dietary fat, which is not problematic, but it's problematic if you're trying to use them as a primary protein source because the calorie to protein ratio is just off. Another reason that a person might be struggling to hit their calories uh, and hit their protein is that they are eating vegetarian or vegan. In this situation, um, we have to pay extra special attention to making sure the calorie to protein ratio is not off because it really can be using things like lentils, peas, beans, those kinds of things to hit your protein target uh, is absolutely doable, but we have to add in some other things that have a better calorie to protein ratio, things like a high quality protein powder. That's going to be key. I haven't worked with a vegetarian or vegan yet who's been able to hit their protein target while hitting their calories without a protein powder. So getting a protein powder um, and then using things like tofu, tempeh, and seitan. Those are real um, bang for your buck type of plant-based protein. And then the last suggestion I would make is to try using a protein cheat sheet. You may have seen this on my Instagram stories the other day. It's very simple. You just get a sheet of paper or you could do this on your notes of your phone and you're gonna list your top 10 favorite protein sources that you enjoy. And you wanna make sure that these are proteins that there are actual protein sources. So we don't want nut butters on there. We don't want nuts on there. Uh, we want high protein, lower calorie sources, 10 of them. And then what you're going to do is you're gonna write next to that how many grams or ounces of that item you need to hit 25 grams of protein in, in that meal and how much you need to hit 30 grams. So you have this little scale. So let's say I wrote um, chicken breast. Chicken breast is one of my favorite. Okay, how many grams of chicken breast do I need to hit 25 grams of protein? Write that down. How many grams of protein, chicken breast do I need to hit 30 grams of protein? Write that down. And now I can look at this after I have 10 of these items down and be like, ah, if I have egg whites, I need X number of grams to hit 30 grams today. Or wait, I only need 27 more grams of protein. I just need this amount. So it's really handy that way. 
And if you're like, wait, where do I find all that information? You can easily find that on my fitness pal or lose it just by plugging it in. If you type in tofu, you can then dial it into grams and then keep adjusting it till you see, okay, how many, uh, how much is 25 to get 25 grams of protein? How many grams do I need of the tofu? Okay. So it's a really great thing. It does not take that long. If you're really not familiar with losing, using like my fitness pal or lose it, um, it may be, maybe take you 30 minutes, but it's going to pay huge dividends. And if you are familiar with using it, it'll take substantially less, like half of that time. All right. So that's question number two. Let's hit question number three. I'm not doing any of the typical things that might make someone in a deficit not lose weight, like eyeballing or weekend overeating or lick spiced bites and taste, but I'm still not seeing the scale move. The scale is staying the same or even going up by 0.2 to 0.5 pounds daily. I know it's too soon to get real data, but I don't want to feel discouraged either. Thoughts? Now it's important to say here, um, this question was asked after week one which is a really important point because if this question was asked after week four and they're saying that their trend line has not moved more than 0.2 to 0.5 pounds daily, my questions would go to, what are your measurements doing? What are your pictures doing? Um, how is the fit of your clothes? So we can see if there's progress. And if we don't see any progress, what we need to evaluate is their consistency. That would be the next thing we would evaluate. Okay, out of 28 days, how many days have you hit your calorie target? How many days have you hit your step target? How many days have you hit your protein target? How many days have you done your workout? And we're going to look for any gaps there. And then we would turn to some of these things she mentioned, eyeballing, weekend overeating, licks, bites, and taste. Somewhere, if they're not making progress and it's been four weeks, we need to look at where the extra calories are coming from. So first we evaluate, are you actually seeing progress? Because progress is not just the scale. If you lost eight inches, it doesn't matter that the scale is only down a half a pound, right? And that can absolutely happen, especially to people who are more in that I'm fairly lean, but I'm just trying to get leaner phase. If you have 30, 40, 50 pounds to lose, yes, the scale should be coming down. So that's what we first want to evaluate is what progress are we seeing? And then what is our consistency looking like? But that would be what we were doing after like week four. We would not be doing that after week one. There's nothing to evaluate. This is the conversation I had with this particular member. I said to her, tell me about your family. Who's in your family? Do you have a daughter? Do you have a son? Do you have a cousin? Who do you have? Okay. Now tell me, tell me an activity that that person participates in. Let's pretend that the person's answer was basketball. She has a daughter and she's 12 and she plays basketball. And then I said, okay, let's imagine that your sweet daughter started playing basketball last week. Last week, she started playing basketball. Now she's dabbled in the past. It's not like the first time she's ever picked up a basketball, but she got serious last week and she cannot hit a free throw with any consistency. She's doing all the recommended drills. She's not hitting it with consistency. It's, she hits it a little bit here, a little bit there. She wants to really hit it every time. And she's starting to get frustrated. She doesn't want to get discouraged. She knows it's really too soon to get real data, but she's starting to feel discouraged what would you say? And of course, you know, my member laughed a little bit and she's like, obviously I'd tell her it's too soon. It's only been a week yet with nutrition. Do we not have this feeling of like, it's been so long. It's been a whole week. I should see the scale go down. I should. 
in reality, that's just not how it works. You may see the scale go down week one. You may not see the scale go down week one. What we're looking for is over the course of an entire month, we would like to see the scale go down somewhere around two pounds in a month. If you're not seeing any inches, you could also have the scale not go down at all and see a lot of an inches, see side-by-side progress photos. We need to see progress somewhere, okay? Or it's time to tweak something, but we cannot even look to see if you're making progress for at least four weeks. You just put your head down and you do the work. You work on hitting your calories, you work on hitting your protein, you work on hitting your steps and you work on doing your training. Those are the things you focus on. And if you're like, hey, I wanna really evaluate each day, how am, I, how am I doing? Then what I would say to evaluate is, are you doing those things? How could you do better at those things? What did you do well with doing those things? If you're like, you know what? Today, I really nailed my breakfast. Great, how can you do that again tomorrow? How can we make that repeatable? Really focusing in on your daily to-dos and not what the scale is saying. And you might be thinking like, well, then why even use the scale? Well, you don't have to use the scale. I'm a fan of either not using it at all or using it appropriately. And using it appropriately really means getting a lot of data points. You cannot get a lot of data points if you weigh in once a week. It actually, I think, is detrimental to weigh in once a week. I do not have people do once a week weigh-ins, minimum three times per week. I prefer seven days a week. And we work on moderating our reaction to the scale. We work on practicing how we approach the scale, what we say to ourselves about the scale, how we use the scale, because we're only ever looking at it over long-term trends, not any single weigh-in or several weigh-ins. All right, so there's my thoughts there. So if that's you, if you just started, if you haven't been at this for at least a month yet, it is too soon to make any judgments. If you have been at it at least a month, evaluate your progress on more than the scale. Look at your trend line. A good app to use is called um, Weight Gurus. You can track your trend line there. Once you've got that in place, you should be also taking side-by-side progress pictures. I know nobody likes it. Uh, We're doing progress reviews this week in Fitter After 40. When they do progress reviews, they, um, I get, I give them a very specific um, set of directions. I have a sheet of questions to ask themselves and I ask them to self-report in our group. If they um, feel good about doing it, I ask them to put up their side-by-side progress pictures. No worries. If you're considering joining the course and you're like, I am not putting up side-by-side progress pictures of myself in anybody's Facebook group, I do not make anybody do that. I encourage them to so that we can talk through the progress we're seeing or not seeing, but you don't have to do it. So they're doing these progress reviews. They are really useful to do. I would suggest you do a progress review monthly to see where you're at, to notice what you're doing well and see how you can do more of that. And then to course correct anywhere that needs course correcting. In this progress review, you should be looking at your consistency numbers as well as the physical progress you're making. All right, I feel like we covered that well. Next question, I'm worried that I'm going to be hungry. So my question I would ask this person, and I'm going to ask you if this is you, is what will happen if you get hungry? What will happen if you get hungry? It's a good question, right? We have this fear, like I'm going to get hungry. Okay, let's say you did. Then what? What's going to happen? And that's a place for you to investigate. What am I concerned about? Sitting with hunger is a skill that takes practice. You can learn it. Now, 
I do not send anybody's calories prohibitively low. As I've talked about, I try and help people lose weight on as many calories as possible. But that said, hunger is still to be expected in a deficit. So expect some hunger, practice sitting with that hunger, practice how you think about that hunger, practice uh, how you can react when you feel hungry. Does it have to be an emergency? I would say that it doesn't. Is it an emergency when you yawn? When you feel tired, is that an emergency reaction on your part? Do you like jump up and, and think like, find me a place to nap right now. I got to lay down. I got to close my eyes. I got to sleep right now. I just yawned. I'm tired. I feel tired. I feel it. And I have to do something about it. That's ridiculous, right? Like you would never do that. But we do that about hunger. Oh my gosh, I'm hungry. Like I need, I need a granola bar. I need a snack. I got to eat something right now, right? We start feeling kind of panicky. And a lot of the worry I think is what we will do next. I am hungry. Therefore I'm going to like eat an insane amount of food. I'm going to blow through my calories. I'm going to be hangry. All of these things. Okay. Is that a fact that if you feel hungry, you will do X, you will get hangry and take it out on your spouse or your coworkers. You will overeat. Is that a fact? What could you do so that you don't do those things? You can tell yourself, I will be okay if I'm hungry. I can get food. I can trust myself to manage that hunger. There, if you're living in, here in North America, if you're living in Europe, I can't think of a place I visited where the ability to get food in a fairly quick matter, manner wasn't there. Right now in my house, if I got hungry, first of all, I have a house full of food. Second of all, I'm just a short drive away from, actually I could walk, I could walk to a muffin shop. I could drive to five or six grocery stores in a really quick period of time. I trust that I can find food when I get hungry. So trust that you have that ability. Trust that you have the ability to make good choices for yourself and then set yourself up for success. Look at things like your food choices and your food timing. If you're eating really calorie dense food, even if it's the same number of calories, let's say you're your calorie goal is 1700. If you ate 1700s of like Starbucks frappuccinos and Dunkin' Donuts and McDonald's, you're going to blow through those calories fast. And that's not going to be very much food. And it's not going to be food that is going to keep you full. If on the other hand, you did most of that 1700 calories from fruits, vegetables, lean protein, whole grains, healthy fats, you're going to be able to stay fuller longer. And you of course can add some of those those um, fun foods in there as well, but most of them from that minimally processed nutrient dense food. So if you're getting overly hungry, look at your food choices, look at your food timing. There is no correct food timing. There is no, you will lose weight better. You will manage hunger better if you do X, but there are, there is what works best for you. Maybe it works better for you to not eat first thing because you're not even really hungry when you wake up. And so if you wait till you actually feel hunger in your belly, and maybe that's two hours after you get up, maybe that helps you. Or maybe what you realize is that if you don't eat breakfast, you tend to overeat later in the day. And so maybe you do eat breakfast. Maybe what you realize is that hour or two before dinner, you start to get really hungry and you have multiple options there. Maybe you plan a before dinner snack that you can, um, it's kind of like a high volume, not kind of like, it is a high volume kind of food. So things like watermelon, 
raspberries, strawberries, pickles, things that you can eat quite a bit of. It's going to keep you filled until it's time for your dinner. Um, and then remember your best tools for managing hunger in a deficit are protein, fiber, fat, and volume. You want to have a high protein diet. You want to have a high fiber diet. You want to have some dietary fat in there and you want to have some volume, volume in the way of like leafy greens, um, egg whites, shrimp, berries, melon, things that you can eat a lot of for few calories. Those four protein, fiber, fat, and volume, they're really going to help with hungry. But the first question I want you to ask yourself, if you're worried about getting hungry is what will happen if I do get hungry? What am I worried is going to happen? All right. Next question. My challenge is that weighing, measuring, tracking, and pre-planning everything, it feels too time-consuming and overwhelming. So talking to this particular member, my first question would be, tell me more about what all that looks like for you in your life. Okay. How are you doing those things? Because there's lots we could tweak to make it less time consuming. So tell me, what is tracking looking like for you? What is eating looking like for you? What is the, the measuring and the weighing? What does that look like? Give me a day in a life. I'd get a really good picture of what they were doing. And then we would look at things like, okay, are you pre-logging your food the night before? Because that can really make this whole thing easier. If you pre-plan your food and load it into your calorie tracker, all you have to do the next day is follow through on your plan. It really frees up brain space. So that's one of my number one tips. Then I would look at things like having fewer eating incidences throughout the day. So a person who's eating three meals and maybe one or two at most snacks, that is a very different experience as far as weighing, measuring, tracking versus somebody who is nibbling throughout the day. If you're trying to track like two pretzels here and seven M&Ms there, that does feel time consuming and overwhelming. Like you're spending a lot of time and energy trying to figure that stuff out. So I would highly suggest that you limit the total number of eating incidences. So definitive meals and snacks versus grazing. And then besides that, um, I would have them look at another skill that they have mastered. Because all of these things, weighing your food, measuring, tracking, pre-planning, all of this, getting used to my fitness pal or lose it or whatever app you're using, all of these are skills. And I would ask this person to talk to me about another skill they have mastered. Let's take one from um, my suggested 52 and 52, like, you know, the pickleball, sailing, snowshoeing. Let's, let's pick one of those. Do you think any one of those, do you think the first time I play pickleball, I'm going to be immediately good at it and efficient at it? I'm just not, right? Can you imagine the first time I make sushi? I bet it's going to take me forever and I bet it's going to look pretty sloppy. That's just my, my guess. I don't think I'm going to be... Uh, naturally good at making sushi. There's going to be a, a learning curve, right? And wouldn't you expect that? Like if you had never gone sailing before and you took a sailing lesson, wouldn't you expect that you'd be pretty inefficient and clumsy with it? It'd be weird if you weren't, right? You've never done it before. It's highly technical. Why would you not be inefficient and clumsy at it? It's the same thing here with these skills. They are skills for losing weight weighing your food, measuring it, tracking it, pre-planning it. These are skills. Expect a learning curve. 
I just realized I've been tapping my fingers a lot on this desk and I have a long nail. Hopefully that, that noise has not been too much. I've been tapping my hands a lot. <laughs> I talk with my hands because I'm Italian. Expect that learning curve with this. Don't be discouraged by it. Plan for the fact that there's going to be a learning curve. This is going to take more time up front, but over time, it will not. It's not going to continue on being overwhelming. It's not going to continue on feeling like so much mental effort. And then really look at that first part of this that we talked about. How can you make it easier even in the beginning? All right. We are down to the last question I want to chat through today, which is how to handle dining out at restaurants where the calories aren't listed on the menu or on your tracking app. And there's definitely strategies that help with that. But the first question I would ask this member is tell me more about eating out at restaurants. How often are you doing that? Have you tried tracking restaurant meals that weren't in my fitness pal? How did that go? What worked? What didn't? Okay, so those are really what I want to look at. If you are eating out a lot, one of the things I would suggest is actually reducing that. Eating out a lot versus home cooking can tend to add up calories. And so if your goal is weight loss, I would suggest dialing back the number of eating out occasions. That's an easy one for I'm struggling with doing calories at restaurants. Let's reduce the frequency with which you are going out. Then I would work with how do you track those meals? One of the ways to make it super simple is to order single ingredient items. What I mean by this is when you go to a restaurant ordering things like the salmon, the steak, the pork chop, the broccoli, the salad. So these items that are just like easy to log, it's really easy to log potato. It's not as easy to log. Um, no, I'm not going to be able to think of a single thing. It's not as easy to log um, chicken fried rice. Do you know what I mean? Because it could be a lot of different things. It could be a lot of different ways somebody made that chicken fried rice. But if you've got the chicken breast and the broccoli and the potato, those would be easier to log. So look at single ingredient items uh, and work on reducing that frequency with which you're eating out. Those would be my first go-to strategies. All right, that's what I have for you today. I hope that this has been helpful. Uh, if you're interested in Fitter After 40, if you're like, wait, I want to get out on these conversations. I want to actually talk to you about the own, my own issues and have you coach me and help me see the things I'm not seeing in my own, in my own life. Doors will be open again for Fitter After 40 in spring of 2023, which I know you're like, well, that feels like a long way off. It's October, but it's going to be here before you know it. It happens every time that people are like, oh my goodness, I can't believe it's here already. So get on the list. I have a wait list. You can get on it right now. And when you do get on it, you're going to get exclusive discounts and bonuses when the doors do open. Um, you get a significant bonus. Well, you do get significant bonuses. I meant to say discount. You get a significant discount off the price. You also get exclusive bonuses that are not available to everyone else joining. You also literally in this moment, we'll start a free seven-day email course that helps you get started working on getting a handle on your mindset around getting fit, on your awareness of what you're doing with your exercise and your food right now. Building awareness is so key and you can start that right now. And then also in this email series, there is some important foundational skills that I help you work on that really help you to lose weight and get in shape. And you can get that started right now by getting on the wait list for Fitter After 40. You can do that at kimschlagfitness.com. So kimschlagfitness.com, hit the Fitter After 40 tab. You're going to see 
um, the page and there's going to be lots of join the waitlist here buttons. Join that waitlist and you're going to start getting emails from me. And I actually invite you in those emails to message me back. And I do respond to all of those emails. Give me like, give me a few days. I'm not super fast with responding to those emails, but I absolutely do. I will give you prompts to respond to me about how does this look for you? How is this working in your life? What do you think about this? Tell me about that. And you and I can have some personal conversations there to help you get going right now, well before those doors even open in spring of 2023. It's been really great being here with you today. I will be back soon, hopefully next Thursday. If not, I promise it's not going to be a big gap. All right. Talk soon. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Fitness Simplified Podcast. I hope you found it motivational, inspirational, educational, organizational. If you did find value in this episode today, it would mean a great deal to me if you would leave a rating and review on whatever podcasting platform you are listening to this episode on. It really does help to get this podcast in front of other people. Thanks so much for being here. Mm-hmm.